With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This is the Hockey News Podcast. Welcome to the Hockey News Podcast. I'm Stephen Ellis. Joining me as always is Ryan Kennedy. Ryan, how you doing? Pretty good. How's it going? Good. Want to give a shout out, of course, to Sherwood and mm-hmm. to BetMGM for supporting this podcast. What have you been up to the last week? Just getting ready for the school year and getting ready for fall hockey. I watched a preseason OHL game the other day on the weekend, Niagara and Kitchener. It was... Uh, Free preview, so it's nice getting back into things. And two of the players I was watching for scored the first two goals. Perfect. Adam Zhidlitsky and Carson Rakoff. Shout out to the Brooks Bandits for winning 23 nothing in a game against uh, what is it, the, the Wisconsin, Wisconsin Lumberjacks. League. Not even in the same league. Like, literally not in the same league. Well, so the I got because I tweet, I'm like, well, okay, this seems a little, like at one point it's like it's disrespectful to stop trying. Right. But it's like if every shot goes in, yeah. what are you going to do? And someone pointed out that the Wisconsin team actually was the one that put the request in to play the game. Wow. Well, hey, shout out to them for thinking big. Well, so <laughs> when, I, when I played in House League, I would try to do something where, like, oh, our team would always play against high-level teams. If we were one-level House League, we'd go play against higher-level House League. Mm. We'd lose every game, like, 15, except one year we won in the tournament. Nice. But uh, we'd lose, like, 15, 16 goals, and we'd come back, and our goalie would get, like, four shutouts in a row, and we'd wow. go on to win the championship because we just spent three days – playing like six or seven games and just getting crushed every time. Right. So then we learn how to play against faster skaters. So now I feel like I understand what like Denmark or, or other teams of the World Juniors feel like uh, year after year and just getting absolutely crushed. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's a 23 nothing game. So we're getting to the point where we're going to be seeing rookie tournaments. We're going to be seeing a lot of preseason hockey. But we're still not ready to talk about a specific hockey topic yet, which is why we're doing another mailbag episode. And these are fun because we got a lot of questions. Shout out to YouTube. That seems to be a place where a lot of good questions are coming from. There I feel like it's kind of like a forgotten section where Facebook and Twitter, it's a lot easier to see the messages. But YouTube, shout out to you guys. And LinkedIn. LinkedIn's very good too. Interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of hockey fans on LinkedIn who are just, you know, don't want to be on Twitter, don't want to be on Facebook, and just want to talk hockey. Boom. I get requests on Facebook or from, from LinkedIn from people who I'm thinking are trying to sell me something or say buy a house, and they're actually just like, hey, let's talk hockey. I'm like, there you go. It sounds like a really scary noise going <laughs> on above us. Um, all right, so let's get into the topics today. Let's do it. I also want to give you a shout out for uh, introducing me to the book, uh, Sell It, Sell it. Yes. which you've mentioned before on this podcast, <clears throat> and I've listened to it now. Uh, I've listened to ebook, or I guess the, the audiobook of it. It's been awesome. Um, so if you like music, if you like punk rock music, it's a good book. They're not paying us for that. It's also a very old book at this point. All right. Uh, first question comes from Greg Anderson. And uh, we actually talked to this guy a little bit on Twitter. Um, mm. You guys like the three and three OT format for the World Junior Final. We did. It was great. It was fun. Yep. Which if you don't know the format, it's three and three continuous overtime. Um, but in that case, gold was on the line. Does three and three overtime in the NHL need a rework? There's not a ton of shots usually, and it's all during the regular season, and you're guaranteed a point no matter what. Mm-hmm. And you're seeing teams that are just kind of trying to get to the shootout, it seems like, a lot, where um, I, I don't know the statistics of 
not a ton of shots if that is actually true but mm. um you'll get a lot of times where it seems like the teams are being a little too conservative totally. a lot of defense they'll start a rush and the guy off the puck will skate back into their own zone and mm. just try to start again is that something you think needs a rework well I think it's something that's going to evolve. I mean, we've already seen the evolution where, you know, when the when 3 on 3 first came out and, you know, Cyber, I remember years ago when Ken Holland was still the GM of the Detroit Red Wings, I was in Traverse City for the Prospects tournament and they were trying out some new rules including 3 on 3. Mm-hmm. And so they had a bunch of, you know, drafted players um, and just sort of free agent invites and you know, they were doing it. And when I saw it the first time, I was like, we are never going to see the shootout again because it was just end to end action. And of course, players adapt. So even though you saw a lot of great action early on in the NHL, obviously coaches figure out, okay, well, I don't like the uncertainty here. So let's try to clamp down. But I wonder if we'll get to the point, especially in the second half of the season, when you know the playoffs are so tight or the playoff races are so tight that teams are going to say, look, we need that extra point. We can't leave it up to, you know, we we can't just sit back. And it's funny because, you know, people may have seen on Twitter, Sergei Fedorov now coaching in the KHL has pulled his goalie during three three overtime to go four and three, which is super gutsy and can go sideways real quick. But, It'll give also gives you a four and three power play if you have possession. And the other team might not know how to play against that because they're not expecting it. Exactly. So I wonder if we'll see teams approach the three and three overtime differently in the coming years to try to get some kind of tactical advantage because we know that the difference between making the playoffs and missing the playoffs very well could be one point. Yeah. So like if we're looking at a basic level, if I want to change it, like at ten minutes. And, and then go to the shootout. I'm, the mm. reason why I'm okay on the shootout in a lot of cases is if you're just looking logistically, and this is the boring answer, mm. you got to worry about fans getting home. And True. you can't just play this game forever for yeah. a regular meet. Like a game in November, you don't need it going until 11 o'clock local time. Mm. It's like if you're already having games that are closing in around 10 o'clock, then you've, you worry about the transit also in some of these cities. And TV, don't TV. forget too, especially with... ESPN and TNT. Yeah. And while you won't typically have a lot of 10 o'clock newscasts, you do have newscasts that will be on some of these channels. Mm. They have other things to show. Uh, in some cases, you got the, the same network showing an early game and then a night game. So you can't just have these games go on forever, which is why, you know, the World Juniors, it's like why you, like they have to end some playoff games in the shootout because, you know, there's other games in that same building. Right. You got to prepare for that game. Yeah. And if there's, uh, you know, if, if it's a normal World Juniors where they're actually like having fans in the building, you know, you just can't have you got to clear them out you got to get ready it's, it's not easy in this case it's still the it's the best of the best so you want to have the best product but you just can't keep fans there all night yeah. and a lot of places or a lot of fans have said like you know if this game goes later if this week we got a long shootout like we missed the chance of not having proper transit and that could be up to the transit saying okay well it's a later game like you know let's let's keep it extended but you got to plan for that in advance yeah so there's some logistical issues however i do like three and three overtime but if you make it 10 minutes i feel like you don't play to overtime you're you're playing to win in that case because mm. it's a much longer period of time. And if you start to back off, the other team might not. Yeah. And they'll push you. As opposed to five on five, it feels like it's not long enough. It can go, in a lot of cases, almost a full five minutes without many whistles. And I also wonder too, if you extended it to 10 minutes, then you're going to have to lengthen your bench because you can't have mm. the same guys going out every other shift when they've already played a full game at full speed. So that might 
result in more goals simply because you're going to have you're going to have more mismatches where somebody's you know third or fourth liner might have to go out against somebody's first liner and then they take advantage of that yeah because because it's three and three obviously less players than five that's Mm -hmm. math but uh like that means your line combinations just become a little silly in some cases a little different and then you're you you might have to you bring two forwards and a defenseman well you might also have a really good secondary offensive defenseman who could line up with your other forward that's let off kale mccarr exactly (laughs) you you got in some cases some of the team's defense are like one of the leading scorers yeah uh so it's like i feel like the strategies become a bit different in that case um, so I, I do support the idea of making it longer, uh, and, and then we do avoid the overtime in a lot of cases. I believe I, I want to say it was there was some league, a uh, pro league. I want to say SPHL that is like they're moving two extra minutes in overtime. So it'll be like a seven or yeah, seven minute uh, mm. three overtime. And a lot of these leagues are being used as kind of a chance to see if it works. Yeah. Um, and. I think three and three hockey is amazing. I think it's awesome. I know there's the, the three HL and there's other leagues that are trying that have tried to do the professional three and three thing. It's not the same because you're not getting the best players in the world. Yeah. When you get those best players in the world, you can make some totally bonkers hockey. And we saw the World Junior Final, outstanding, amazing. We didn't have to get even ten minutes in that overtime. Yeah. It was pretty quick. But it's like it, it and that overtime when there's something literally elimination or in that case like the championship on the line, it no one's going to back down. A regular season game, you might. Yeah. And you're still going to get the point. And I feel like there's going to be more incentive to it, which could also says, okay, if the game ends in overtime, there's no loser coin. Mm-hmm. Yep. I know there was one idea. It's like, okay, well, if you want to keep the loser point, keep it for shootout only. And mm-hmm. then you might see everyone trying a little harder in overtime Maybe. because now you don't have the, okay, well, we lost, but we still got yeah, yeah. a point. We still got to pay out of that. So a couple ways of taking it. Uh, I, I think it's like, if you can't win 60 minutes on five on five, something should change. And if, if you don't like that format, Win the game beforehand. There you don't have to work. If you don't like the shootout, don't get to the shootout. There Win you it. Go. You, you got 65 minutes in a lot of cases to do that. Yeah. So, and people will say, oh, like in the playoffs, they can play. Like, there's a bit of a difference between a playoff game when the Stanley Cup is on the line. Yeah. And again, people will wait for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, when you get the triple overtimes and it's like, we're all kind of invested. It's great. And then it's like, oh, this is game two. <laughs> yeah. We still got a long way to go uh, in this series. It's like, yeah, so you, you you can't just have the games going on forever. If yeah. it, it, every game matters, you can't take a game off. Eighty-two games, you know, you could miss the playoffs by one point or two points, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh well, I should have won that game. But I feel like there's a lot of times where we get to shoot out where if, if the teams were a bit more crazy, and some of the best moments in the season typically are been three on three overtime because when it really matters, it's it gets chaotic. Yeah, and that's fun. And I believe it was like I, I'm on same. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I think Vegas and Dallas, when they're both fighting for a playoff spot, got into a three and three overtime later in the year. And like that meant a lot. There you go. So like that was pretty cool. So anyways, I don't know if we'll see a change anytime soon, but uh next question comes from Burning Dragon. That's uh, a cool name. Mm-hmm. Uh Kachuk was a big acquisition for Florida, but will he be worth the trade the Panthers had to give up to get him? Because it's like you look at the trade and it's like it's sometimes easy. Like he's like the focal point of the trade. You forget yeah. Hooper was in the trade. Yeah, yeah. You have two guys who were legitimately in the Hart Trophy conversation. Two guys that eclipsed a hundred points. For me, you know, Kachuk's the better two-way player, but the key to the deal is Mackenzie Weger. And mm-hmm. I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. And the answer to Burning Dragon's question to me is, I, I think Florida's diminished, even though, mm-hmm. you know. In that whole trade, like if you ask me, you know, would you want Matthew Kachuk on your team? I would say ten times out of ten, Kachuk brings more than just points. Exactly, he's a pain in the butt to play against. Exactly, yeah. I mean, you know, he can set the tone on his shift. He can hit. He can fight. He can just throw other guys off. And you know, he's so he's so smart out there, offensively and defensively. He makes 
uh, your team better. Uh, Huberto, obviously, in you know, an incredible offensive force and had you know his best season ever. So, you know, I mean, for Calgary, they're like, hey, that's great. But again, with Mackenzie Weger going from Florida to Calgary, I think it gives the Flames an even better defense core. And I already really like their defense core. But for Florida, now you look at it and it's like, man, like Mackenzie Weger, like, again, a guy that was getting like down ballot Norris votes the past couple of years. And especially when, you know, Aaron Ekblad has missed games, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think this year is about 20 games. You know, you're always a little bit worried about Ekblad's health because he does have, you know, the background with concussions. And, you know, without Weger's minutes, then it's, it's looking a little tougher where there's not as many guys that I would qualify as puck movers on the back mm-hmm. end in Florida. Um, and, and just overall sort of, you know, top line guys. Um, and then, you know, on top of, you know, on top of that, you look at Florida's offense and, you know, it's, it's basically a one for one trade Kachuk for Huberto but then you also lost Mason Marchman mm-hmm. to free agency. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know you're going to have to start the year without Anthony Duclair. Mm-hmm. So I think Florida's they're going to struggle to hit the same heights they did in the regular season uh, next year. Yeah, because when that trade was announced, it's like to me the X factor was could you sign either, um, in Calgary's case, sign Huberto or Uyghur long term? Mm. Um like the, that, that was important. Even if you lose Uyghur at this point, you're still getting a guy who just came off like an incredible season in Andrew the Huberdo. There were some questions: was he going to be an MVP? Blah blah blah. Um, so I, I think Chuck's got a really good opportunity here. But yeah, Florida is not necessarily a better team. Mm-hmm. And it, the one there were some questions on Uyghur's career early is like, okay, he was looking really good with Keith Yandel, when Keith Yandel was still a pretty solid player. Um, would, if he was away from Yandel, how would he play? And then he would stop playing away from Yandel, and he looked, he looked great. And then he goes and plays some time with Ekblad, and Ekblad's gone, and he still looks great. And yeah. it's like every time he's played, he's been really good. So like now if you look at it, if, if Uyghur doesn't return, to the Calgary Flames, what? How do you? I know we haven't seen any of them play for their teams, but yeah. how do you kind of evaluate the the value there? Because now that now we got two key f- offensive forces signed on long term deals. Yeah, I mean, I I still think that Calgary wins this because they're still going to get some service out of mm-hmm. Weger, no matter what happens contract wise, and you know they got Huberto obviously. Um, so I, I still think it works out for Calgary that way. I, I can understand that kind of diminishes it a bit, but. Calgary's also coming from a position of strength where right now they have kind of like too many NHL defensemen, which mm-hmm. is great because you can deal one uh, to a team in need and you can get you know assets in return. You kind of have the upper hand there. Um, but yeah, just in terms of the the Panthers overall, again, like, yeah, you're, you always trade for Matthew Kachuk, but are they a better team because they gave up Uyghur in the deal? I don't think so. Which is, again, I'm surprised they moved Uyghur in that deal. Yeah. I'm surprised it cost them that. Yeah. Because you look at the quality of the two players, it's like you could almost have done a one-for-one one and there's different reasons why you'd want both players. Yeah. I don't know. You see, Huberto doesn't have Barkov to play with anymore. Mm-hmm. So, he's got some good players in Calgary. Calgary's going to be a good... Nazem Kadri yeah. or Elias Lindo. He's going to have some pretty fantastic players. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So, we'll see. I think Kachuk's going to have a pretty good offensive year, but it's like, again, I think the fact that they don't have a key defenseman and then, yeah... 
you had a wonder like the Spencer Knight ended up becoming the starting goalie. Then you've got the most yeah. expensive backup goalie in the world. Right. Like for that one, I think we mentioned before, it's like you'd almost want those guys to be just a truly impressive one A one B where you can rely on both. Yeah. And not Bobrovsky fall off a cliff again. Yeah. Which unfortunately has happened a few times. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that works. That was definitely to me my favorite trade of the of the season, let alone like yeah, just more, wild, unbelievable. Next question comes from Kyle Watson. How NHL ready do you think Bedard is compared to other exceptional status talents, given that his junior career has been during COVID? I guess the key thing is, like, obviously he's not drafted yet, or he's yeah. still got another year. But it's, like, I guess right after that, just for clarification's sakes. Yeah, exactly. So we have to project Connor Bedard having, you know, an entire year of growth in the WHL with the Regina Pats this year and, you know, another summer of working out. To me, I think he's going to have a fairly successful first year. And of course, it's going to be team dependent. It depends on who drafts him, who, what kind of players are around him. But, you know, I was thinking about this question and I was thinking, what would, what should we expect for Connor Bedard's rookie campaign? Because he is a bit smaller, but as we saw at the World Juniors, <laughs> it didn't matter. not afraid to throw his weight around. And, that was fun. You know, he'll put on a bit more muscle and a bit more bulk, and that'll help. But, the reason Connor Bedard is so special is because of his shot and just his offensive vision. And I remember years ago, and it literally was years ago, at Power Edge Pro Camp in the summer, I think it was a 14-year-old Connor Bedard. He was playing in a scrimmage with guys like Quentin Byfield. Mm -hmm. And I think Adam Fantilli was there. Big guess. <laughs> yeah, just just incredible. Like, I think Luca Del Belbaluz was probably mm -hmm. in that game as well. Just a scrimmage. But Bedard was shooting the lights out. 14, playing against 17-year-olds, even some 18-year-olds, I think, were there. Um, and his shot is still incredible. It's NHL quality already. So in my mind, if I was, you know, to make a bet, I'm going to say Connor Bedard's rookie season, I'm going to say he's going to get 30 goals, okay. but maybe like 15, 20 assists because, you know, he's going to be competing against men. It's going to be... You know, it's going to be tough because he's going to have to keep getting stronger. But because he's so smart and because he's got such a great a great shot, I think he's going to surprise a lot of goaltenders early on. And his teammates are going to be able to find him where just for that first year, I think it's going to be pretty solid. And then, you know, the year after that, even better. The year after that, even better. Like, you know, we're looking at a kid that could score 50 in the NHL, mm -hmm. realistically, based on projection. How fast he gets there. There's a ton of factors, but I think he's going to be able to score goals right away. And then the rest of the game is going to come in the ensuing years. So I think he's going to be pretty solid. You know, looking back at stats, I think he's going to have sort of a John Tavares type rookie year, yep. but with the goals and assists flipped. Because okay. I think Tavares had like 20 something goals and 30 something assists. I think it's going to be the other way around with Bedard. Yeah, Bedard, because it's like you get a lot of these top end quality players who are very solid playmakers and mm -hmm. but like to have a guy who's gonna probably put up a crap ton of goals in the NHL <laughs> it's a lot of fun indeed and, and see Bedard like this question is will he be traded this year Regina's mm. Regina's not a great team no so it's like would they trade him yeah. get incredible knowing he's not coming back next year yeah. and get the best return possible and he goes out and finishes junior career with a shot of the Memorial Cup yeah maybe Columbus. there's no salary cap trades in this it's so when these trades that's the a good point these trades happen there's massive returns, yeah. and it's awesome, but it usually involves like a ton of draft picks. Like, yeah, it's like, going to be like 18 draft picks. Like you'll be trading for picks like like nine years from now, and it's like yes. the, the guy is like learning to skate, and he yeah. gets traded in Connor but for, for Bernard. 
Um, but uh, I, there was one fantasy hockey league I saw where a player, it was like a, a team traded for a 2036 pick. It's like, wait a second. <laughs> Will the world still exist? <laughs> well, I mean, Kamloops is hosting the Memorial Cup, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Connor Bedard and Logan Stankoven on the same line? Okay. Here's a question for you. Bedard looks pretty good as a winger in, this, in the, the World Juniors. <clears throat> I guess it would probably be team dependent. Like, if you went to Seattle, I don't think they need to get another center. Right. But it's like, what does he play in the NHL? Yeah, very good question. And I think it, it, it will be sort of team dependent. And, you know, the good thing for him is that we've seen Braden Point sort of establish that, yes, you can be a smaller center in the NHL and be incredibly successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's such a, a conservative league in terms of, you know, what sort of the old guard thinks will work. But now that you've seen it work, then that opens the door for guys like Matthew Savoy mm-hmm. uh, and Connor Bedard, mm-hmm. where if you need a center, it's okay that he's only 5'9", 5'10". Yeah. Um, having said that, you're right. If you if he goes to a team, like let's say he goes to Anaheim, for example, okay. you've got Zegers and you've got McTavish, uh, already as centers for your present slash future, why not put him on Zegers' wing where you have the incredible playmaker and the incredible goal scorer? Or you put him with McTavish. <laughs> they already know how to play together. They already know each other. And you get McTavish, who is you know the, the physical, sort of prototypical center that we love these days. And then Bedard is you know obviously the, the trigger man. So um, I, I, I think... If you can play him at center, we've already seen in Regina, he can completely run a line by himself, and he was doing so as an underager. Um, But in the NHL, if you wanted to just ease him into things and your depth chart allows for it, why not put him on the wing? Put him on Montreal, have him be in a line of Slavkovsky and Caulfield, and just see if the other team could get a shot on net. Right. Because they're just going <laughs> to smother you with a million shots. Might not be yeah. great shots, but they'll get shots. There you go. And that would be a lot of fun, also unrealistic. Well, actually, maybe not unrealistic, but uh, that would not be the line that I think Montreal would use for that, especially if Suzuki <laughs> and Caulfield play as well as they do. All right, next question comes from D.D. Crow, which is a cool name. You will not get that reference, but it's a, it's a Yu-Gi-Oh! character. Okay. A Yu-Gi-Oh! I got character, I guess, a monster. Gotcha. Um, would you rather have Wallstead or Askroff, and why? Right now, I would say Jesper Wallstead. And really? I mean, we just saw him come off uh, an incredible performance at the World Juniors. He was named goalie of the tournament by the IIHF, and he was the goalie on the media all-star team. But, and you, and this is actually something you pointed out to me, just the, the way he positions himself, even in the reverse VH, mm-hmm. is he keeps his head up. Yes. So his fundamentals are very good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even speaking with him, after one of the games, I was saying, it's like, you really don't give teams a lot to look at. And he was like, yeah, I want saves to look easy. Like, I don't want to be making a lot of movement. Um, with Askarov, I'm super excited for his first season in North America. I think it's going to be really fun to see mm-hmm. what he can do over here. But we have seen, you know, some tendencies at the World Juniors in the past where he has been able, he has been beaten uh, Hold your stick, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The stick, the glove hand. You know, there, there's been, you know, the shot. I mean, Rasmus Sandin just owned him in that <laughs> World Junior Tournament. I think it was in Ostrava. Um, so there's some fundamentals that he's still got to work on. Uh, I mean, still an incredible talent. And he's, you know, got so many great tools. But if you ask me today, I would go with Wallstead. 
There was a picture I remember seeing where I always thought for some reason early on in his career, Askarov was a small goalie. He's 6'4". Oh, yeah. But I remember his, seeing him stand beside Quinton Byfield. And it's just like, Quinton Byfield just looked like a monster. Right. Uh, and Askarov was just going lower. To me, the one thing that concerns about him is that he played like 17 games last year total. And mm. the year before that, he played... Nine in the KHL, six in the VHL, two in the MHL, and I believe another six in junior college, or mm. the, the Russian team. That's not a lot of games that he's played in the last two years. Yeah. And that, to me, concerns me because he's going to the AHL where he's going to – the AHL will have a tendency – like they, Milwaukee's still going to want to win. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I know they have a lot of goalies in Milwaukee, but they're going yeah. to try to get the veterans in as much as possible here. And the, the other goalies are uh, – well, they have Connor Ingram – does make it Thomas Romaka and Devin Cooley. Yeah. So those are pretty good goalies to compete against. Mm. He's probably not going to be playing 56 games next year. So that's a goalie for me that I, I really wish he played a lot more in the last couple of years. And that's concerning. Yeah. But at the same time, he will be going to the AHL. Well, yep. well said two, right? I believe. Yep. 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 So, so the book went to the AHL. So that would be a good measuring stick for the two. Yeah. I just feel like what we've seen in the last two years alone from Wallstead just impresses me a bit. For sure. And I think, you know, the big challenge for Nashville this fall is going to be playing time for uh, not only Askarov, but Vomaska as well. You know, you're going to say, okay, well, Saros needs a backup. You know, is, is Ingram the best because he's a bit older and he can play that role? You know, he can get you some, you know, he can win you games in the NHL. Um, but he doesn't necessarily have to play every night. And Kevin Lankinen's also there too. Lankinen's which... in there too. So I wouldn't be surprised if... We see Askarov, uh, you know, or Vomachka go up and down between the AHL and the ECHL just to get starts. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, the ECHL is a fantastic place for young goalies to get some reps. So that way, when you have guys like Lankinen and Devin Cooley under contract, you're going to have a lot of movement because you want the young guys playing. And mm-hmm. I, I know what you're saying, you know, Milwaukee still wants to win, but I think if you're Nashville, you're saying to them like, look, you know, we want Askarov and or Romachka playing at least once every weekend. You mm-hmm. know, we want them to get sort of 45 starts, you know, this season. And if, if one of them is getting some of those starts in the ECHL, then so be it. But the reps are super important right now. That's why I was kind of surprised they went on the sign Kevin Lankin. Unless mm. they just don't believe Connor Ingram's really their guy as the backup, which could very well be the case. Uh, but to me, you'd want to, I don't know, you just kind of want to have the, like your young guy play as much as possible. And I yeah. feel like it's a bit of a crowded system. Maybe I'm wrong, but. Yeah. And maybe either Lankinen or Ingram, uh, you know, is that AHL veteran that helps along Askarov or Vomachka. It's like, if we're looking at it now, it's like Wallstead could even see NHL time this year. Potentially, yeah. And, you know, I mean, you got Marc-Andre Fleury, who's obviously going to carry the the load in Minnesota. But, you know, if you want to show Wallstead, you know, what it's like in the NHL, if, you know, if he can back up some games, uh, even if he gets a start or two, that certainly doesn't hurt. But I think, you know, Wallstead, for me, I want to see a lot of him in Iowa. Yeah, so, and I think he'll get that opportunity. Yeah, for sure. It's like their goal situation is a little less convoluted. So, yeah. yeah, we'll see. Also, the other thing about Askarov with the World Juniors is, like, just think about the defenseman he's had in front of him mm-hmm. compared to what, like, Sweden had this year of the juniors. True. It's like, yeah. Like, Askarov and Wilson have had very different defense yeah. in front of them uh, internationally. Yeah. Um also could score goals, so Sweden struggles to do, really struggled this year. Russia Indeed. didn't yeah. score any, but um, yeah. So, I don't know. It's, it's I, I'm, I'm leaning Wilson right now, mm-hmm. but. It's, I still feel like these are two goalies that are going to be fighting for Vezina trophies down the line. For sure. Yeah. 
And it's and it's a fun it's time. Five six years from now. Yeah, not not yet. Yeah, we know we know how goalies work. Um, all right, next question comes from Hawk Guy. Um, what old NHL logo needs to return in some way? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm not sure if this has to be main crest or not because I think last week on the podcast I was talking about the LA Kings, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chevrolet Wayne Gretzky logo because um, they still brought that. They still that last. Year. They've used yeah, they used that in the reverse retro jersey on the the forum blue and gold. But since I already talked about that, uh, I'm going to go a different direction. I want Nashville to bring back the skull logo, which was only a shoulder logo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. But I would love to see them utilize that maybe even on the front because I, I loved that skull logo. See, mine, I, I always love the name Thrashers and the logo Thrashers. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, there's no Thrashers team anymore, so mm-hmm. you can't really do that. It's like if the Winnipeg Jets are going to do a, something to honor that side of things, it has to be just color-wise. Yeah. And so it won't be logo. Um, for me though, uh, I'm going to go with the Detroit Cougars and we've already seen mm. the, the Red Wings use that before. Yeah. Um, I just think that's a fantastic logo and it's like, it's a D so it's like, it doesn't say Cougars on it. So you can literally sure. have like, it doesn't matter, Yeah. but it'd be kind of cool. But I was kind of picture like, I know I saw like really cool black jerseys. Yeah. You could have that logo and you know, the white and red and then have like a black jersey and just have something different for the Red Wings that sure. isn't just the same jersey over and over again Yeah. yeah. as a third jersey. But right. I think you could do cool. Like you could spice. It. I know Detroit's never really been have a black jersey, mm-hmm. and that would, you know, Blackhawks are red, white, and black as it is. But I feel like that'd be kind of a cool way. I just think their logo just looks like it's a classic logo. Yeah, but it still looks good today. Yeah, for sure. So that's one I would like to see. But the reason this is a good question is because of the the Buffalo goat head logo. Yes, and people point out it's like isn't that just a buffalo head and not a goat head? It is, but it is, but. It has goatish tendencies. I'm excited to see how they do this this jersey. Yes. Is it going to be the black one? Will it be the white one? It's a home jersey, so I'm assuming it'll be black. But yeah. they, they haven't said what the jersey will look like yet. It's true. So, uh, like, just I love the way the Adidas jerseys look these days, and I just think that the they the designs for them have been pretty modern, as you'd expect. They mm-hmm. don't look the same as they do in the '90s, but I feel like they could do a really good job based off a lot of concept art that people have come up with yeah. this jersey. I think they'll do a really good job with it. So I'm oh. excited to see it. It was one of my favorite jerseys of all time. A lot of Sabres fans hated it. It's different, but it worked on its own. It's like if you if you if that was an expansion team not called the Buffalo Sabres, and uh-huh. let's say it was called the the Newark Goats, it's like. I think people would be like, yeah, that's a cool jersey. I would totally get a Newark Goats hat. Yes. There you go. Newark, pick that team. Um, all right. Next question comes from Martin Angler. If you could change one thing about the NHL draft format, what would it be? And we actually talked about this on the way home from the juniors um, a little Did bit. We? Yeah. We were talking about like, because like I said, it's like, why do we have strict rules for eligibility for like North Oh, American that's players? right. That's right. Yeah. Your idea was bonkers. I would just say, <laughs> I forgot about that. But what I would just say is make the first round like shorter. Like there's so many TV timeouts and like every team has three minutes to make the pick. And it's like, just have the commercials during those three minute breaks. Like you can time it like the, especially in the first round, it's pretty rare for a team to go up before the three minutes has expired. So just do the TV breaks then. And, you know, make it an event where I don't know how the, how long it runs because I'm always literally running around the arena all night. If it's three hours or three and a half, like it could be two and a half hours yeah. easy. Just because the second day, for those who don't watch it, it goes by super fast. Very like, quick. You don't go like the teams don't go up on the stage. They have microphones at their tables and they're like, we take this guy. And then the next team's like, we take this guy. 
And uh, I understand you want the, the pomp and pageantry, pageantry of the first round. That's cool. Just tighten it up a bit. Well, see, from like this was my first draft seeing in person. And I actually really liked that because I like being able to walk around, talk things. It wasn't like a total rush like mm-hmm. I felt like the second day was. At home and watching it, it's terrible. It's yeah. so slow. Yeah. If you're like, okay, you saw the pick. All right, now you just wait a long time. Especially if you're picking like 29th. And you're sure. Picking, like you, you're waiting a long time to see this. Yeah. So I get that. For me, I'm looking at it format-wise, and all my ideas are totally stupid on this. Like, <laughs> uh, why? My, my other argument was don't, like, for, for North American players, like, don't have a, like, you let players... Okay, so I'm trying to figure out how to explain this. You don't um, want you don't want any age cap. No age cap. Like yeah. if an NCAA player is like, I'm going to college. I don't want to be in the draft. Uh-huh. I want to be in the draft when I'm 21 or 22. Yeah. When yeah. I, it, like kind of like like in other sports where they declare for the draft, like football. Yeah. yeah. And then you get some of these older guys, but they'll right. be more ready to go type thing. And then you know, like, but then we also then these these pro like maybe that gets rid of like these things where players are not like you can't be a pro player in college and mm-hmm. uh, like you you're going to like a you could go to more events with your team and watch well, this I did not think that one through uh basically I mean it's a no ch- age caps yeah I mean I I can see that and it's it's a risk you know both ways because if you say you know you can bet on yourself and then after you're done with college, you know, we obviously every year we see college free agents of varying degrees of success. Uh, but if you're a player that, say, was kind of small and skinny heading into college uh, or you're coming from a program where you didn't have a lot of success, then maybe say, hey, you know what? Like, I'm going to wait until I'm done and maybe you go to a team, maybe you win a national championship and all of a sudden your stock's a lot higher. Maybe you do get drafted in the fifth or sixth round instead of being a college free agent. On the other hand, you know, there are plenty of players that got drafted before they even got to college and then they bombed out. Mm-hmm. They just didn't develop the way we thought they would. For those players, they just wouldn't get drafted. So, I mean, it's workable. Uh, and it would be interesting to see how many players said, no, I'm not going to declare yet. See, with the, the lack of like high quality talent of players that were like CHL players going to youth sports. And that's not to say youth sports doesn't have good players. It obviously does. But I really wish there was a way where they can make it work where you can go play CHL and then go play NCAA. Right. And get you the best possible competition because in a lot of these cases, these guys are going to play in a college where they don't play a ton of games yeah. uh, in, in the CHL or in youth sports. And, and granted, NCAA doesn't either. Yeah. Um, but the opportunity seemed lessened to make it a high level pro league. So the other opportunity is you go play in CHL or something like that, or go be yeah. like a low level guy in the AHL. If you like guys' careers like might benefit from being able to play both. That's not a draft thing. That's an eligibility thing. Right. I really wish there was that possibility, but then you would kind of just kill the U sports side of things, which uh-huh. is probably, because then it's like, okay, well, I might have a shot to have a D1 scholarship to play the States, or I could go play in like Guelph or something like that. Yeah. And it's like, well, one's probably going to be a bit, a bit more competitive. Mm. That's that guy's not a draft format thing. I, I had this question like we've had this for two weeks and I still couldn't come up with a good answer <laughs> for it. It's like I, I don't know if there's a good answer for on my part. So yeah. oh well, whatever. Uh junior hockey guy says sometimes you get tons of OHL talent in a draft and there's a ton of WHL players. This year it's WHL, yeah. Is there a reason for that or is that just pure coincidence? It's all cycles. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's something we see where, you, yeah, as you mentioned this year, it seems like it's the WHL where right at the top you have Connor Bedard, you got Braden Yeager, mm-hmm. um, you know, guys like Riley Height uh, as well. Um, yeah, it's going to be a pretty strong year. We've seen years where, you know, the OHL has been on top. Uh, we've seen years where the Q has been pretty good. Um you know, last year was interesting because it was all over the board. Yeah. And, and ironically, it ended up two Slovakians <laughs> right at the top, something we've never seen before. Mm-hmm. But even heading into the draft, it looked like not a good major junior year, but more of a, a better sort of international year where Europe was strong. You know, Team USA was pretty strong for the NCDP class. It's all really cyclical. And why that is, it's a mystery. Yeah, it's like sometimes you'll get your, like, OHL draft years where it's like five guys could have gone first overall the year mm. before that type of thing. And then you get other years where it's like, well, WHL, this, the draft class that ended up becoming this year's NHL draft class was really strong at that time too. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's it, part of it also you got to wonder like how much of that's just coaching when you get the guys together all playing the same team like 10 years old or nine years old. And um, then you get a really good coach that somehow makes all these guys really good star players. So it also is coach dependent too, but uh, yeah, that's that's something where it's kind of just more yeah, more coincidence. Yeah, but an interesting one when that happens. Um, all right, the downside up. Uh, that's a good name. Uh, is there a prospect you're really excited about this year that isn't a top ten prospect kind of at this point? Yeah, I'm gonna go with William Whitelaw okay, uh, from yes. USHL Youngstown. This is a kid that I watched quite a bit last year with Shattuck St. Mary's. He played on that amazing prep team with Macklin with Max Elbrini. Uh, and Cole Eiserman, amongst other players. But Whitelaw, uh, he got in a bit of USHL experience last year with the Phantoms. Uh, bit of a smaller player, really quick, really feisty as well. He's kind of like Brad Marchand without like the over-the-line stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's just like not fun to play against. And he, you know, he can put up a lot of points. I think, I think he had 110 points with Shattuck's last year. Yep. Um, and yeah, it'll be fun to see what he can do in the USHL. Every time he's played internationally for Team USA, he's put up numbers. And you know, he's he was very good at the Holinka Gretzky tournament uh, this summer, and at you know the U17 level, he was really good as well. So um, I, I feel like Whitelaw is probably in that kind of 25 to 40 range right now, just because he doesn't have a lot of size. Um, and also, it'll be interesting to see how many points he puts up. Uh, for Youngstown over the course of a full season, but uh, that's a player I'm excited about. I like I, I like watching him play. Well, speaking of kind of a smaller player, Andrew Crystal is the guy I liked. Where it's every time he plays for Team Canada, specifically, he's like a standout player. I believe he was the 13th forward. I want to say at the start of the Helenka Gretzky ended up playing this fantastic role. He was. Uh, it didn't matter who he played with. He was finding chemistry. He was scoring. He's he's. Not big, but he's got good speed, as you kind of hope for a smaller player. Uh, and does a lot of great stuff around the net. And I, th- I, I, I can't remember if I remember him getting multiple breakaways or not, but I remember him being just so hard for the players to keep up with whenever mm. he had the puck. And this is a guy that, I don't know, maybe a later first-round player, part of that would be size. But it's like there was a certain Team Canada player that we saw at the World Juniors this year who was a little smaller that probably should have gone a little higher. Yeah, There could be some Logan Stankoven in him. There, there so we'll see how that kind of works. But uh, th- we're just getting started with this draft year. That's right. So a lot of ex- exciting time still to come. Uh, can this is my probably my favorite question because it really stumped me at first. Mm. Can forty four a little projection, but who will be Canada's twenty twenty four World Cup of Hockey goaltender? Yeah, this was a tough one because uh, we're kind of in a fallow place with Canadian goaltenders. 
my thinking is probably Darcy Kemper at this point. Um, and, you know, we'll see what the next couple of years are like for him. But he has demonstrated that, you know, on an ultra skilled, fast four checking team, he can be that goalie that gets you the saves you need. Uh, obviously, that was with Colorado. Um, I, I'm looking at like Kemper and then it's like, is Tristan Jari there? You know, Jordan Bennington's kind of a nice, easy answer because you know, obviously he's had a cup run as well. Um, I, I think Marc-Andre Fleury is probably going to be tooled at that point. Yeah, because he's 38 this season. Yeah, <laughs> and like Cam Talbot is close to that as well. So, I, I mean, gun to my head, I would say like, you know, I'll, I'll go Kemper and then like Jari and Bennington. This one was really tough because it's like we can't f- – when we talked about the Olympic goaltending around, I'm going to say this time last year, it's like Blackwood and Carter Hart. Mm. But like neither of those guys really seem like they'd be truly on the radar right now. Yeah. For me, the uh, I thought like Jari could be up and down, but we've seen a lot of highs from him in the regular season. If he yeah. stays healthy, I think could be a very goaltender. goaltender. Jordan Bennington, again, up and down. Is he going to be more like early playoff Jordan Bennington? Yeah. Or, or what are we going to see in the kind of mediocre regular season guy? Also going to wonder if we could see someone who's not truly on the radar right now, Logan Thompson. He's got a potential option here to in Vegas to be kind of right. something. Could he end up turning that into something? Mm-hmm. Um, does Matt Murray find his game in Toronto? Does yeah, still not that Is old. Cam Talbot still? Could he be in it? Yeah, I mean he'd be in his late thirties by then as well. Yeah, but you want to have at least one decent. Oh, okay, for sure. sure. Yeah. Um, Cause I get the third. We, we don't really know what time this tournament is yet. I believe. Uh, like, is it going to be like a February? I think it's supposed to be February. So if that's the case, then I it's think that's what they want to do. So, okay. So do you throw like? I guess your third goalie part doesn't matter. Uh, I, I feel like Flurry's too old at that point because he'll yeah. be what forty, close to forty at that point. Probably. Uh, he'll, he, that's too old. He'll be thirty-eight in November. 39, 2023. Okay, so he won't actually be forty yet, but he'll he'll be old, and you got to wonder. A lot of miles. Yeah, it's like, is his game going to drop off quite a bit? I feel like it's going to continue dropping off going forward. So you, if you bring him, you bring him, it's a third goalie. Yeah. You, you got, it's a tough one. Like, Darcy Kemper is, I guess he could throw, yeah, Kemper, like, Kemper looked really good last year, regular season. Yeah. Uh, you just got to hope again he's still the, the Darcy Kemper. We know he could be another guy who was at the eye doctor 55 times before every playoff. Game. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like, if I'm going, I think Kemper's there for sure. Tristan Jari. I'm gonna go with Logan Thompson as a wild card. Okay. I just I'm feeling I'm you heard it in here him. first. I, I'm believing in him. All right. But that's a tough one. Uh, the third goalie doesn't really matter in this tournament. They never play. Mm. Uh, oh, unless you're like at the World Championship and you're a smaller European team and you're just like every goalie gets equal time because they all suck and it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, all right. Newman Rocketman 6. Now, this is a NASCAR shout-out because Ryan Newman drove the number 6, and he uh, was nicknamed the Rocketman. Okay. So, shout-out to that guy. Um, who would be the most notable player traded this season? I think it's going to be Patrick Kane. I think it all works out. I think we talked about this in a previous podcast where it's like Buffalo makes so much sense, uh, especially because he's from South Buffalo. But that, you know, just based on what Chicago's been doing and – you know, where they are, where the Sabres are. I feel like Patrick Kane to Buffalo. Would, that would that would be my sort of, like, top guess. Do you think Chikrin gets moved? Like, that one never made much sense. It doesn't make sense to me because you got to build off somebody in, 
Arizona, <laughs> right? Like you got like, you know, Bill Armstrong is starting his tenure as GM in earnest here. You know, he's done a lot of tearing down, but like you have to have some building blocks. And Chikrin is still young to the point where you can say, you know, he can still be an effective player for us for another decade. So I, I feel he'll stay. Like the thing about Chikrin is like, I would understand it if they were a cap team going nowhere and he had one year left on his deal. But he's got three years at $4.6 million. Yeah. And they have $20 million in cap space. Yeah. yeah. So it's like none of this makes sense. It didn't make sense last year either. Yeah. I can most, understand why teams would want Jacob yeah. Chikrin. And you, you got to listen, but it's yeah. like it's got to be quite an incredible deal for that to make sense. Yeah, exactly. And again, it's going to be weird seeing Patrick Kane play anywhere else, but. Mm. That one does make sense. Yeah. It's just a tough ask. You're the Blackhawks have to take on a lot of salary, and they have the room to do that. Yeah, um, and I think that's worth it. And I, I, that's my pick to be traded too. Again, very strange, but if if you're willing to take on even half or more of the salary, they could do that and still get a good return for it because Patrick Kane will move the needle for teams. Totally, and. Claude Giroux didn't exactly move the needle. Claude Giroux was one of the big forwards I removed last year. He didn't move the needle at the in the playoffs, mm. but he was pretty good during the regular season to finish up the season. Totally. Uh, so I think Patrick Kane will make a big difference wherever he goes. But uh, yeah, Buffalo, again, we talked about it last week. Buffalo makes sense. Yeah. Uh, there's a few other teams that have been rumored, like Colorado and Toronto. Like, how do you guys make that work? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the the cap machinations would be uh, there are salary very interesting. For two teams that have been in salary cap hell for a few years, for a little bit. Yeah. And Colorado's made it work, and Toronto's made it work too. But it's like, you don't want to put yourself through more of that, uh-huh. even if it's Patrick King. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the uh, last question, uh, before we go to rapid fire, which you have, mm-hmm. uh, from Van the Man 1. Will JT Mueller's contract help or hurt the Canucks? I mean, I think it's going to help them tremendously. And it's funny, like, I never understood the trade talk because JT Miller was so good for Vancouver. I mean, like he got some down ballot heart consideration mm-hmm. last year. And I mean, he does so much for them and like, yeah, I get it. You know, the contract takes him like well into his thirties, but it's not that onerous a deal. And I don't think you judge his contract on some of the other contracts that the Canucks have, you know, the cap's going to go up a bit in the coming years. There are some expiring contracts either, you know, this upcoming summer or the one after that, where it's going to kind of like balance out for the Canucks. Yeah, they might have to make some moves to make things work, but you know, like you got a goaltender in Thatcher Demko, you got a great young defenseman in Quinn Hughes, you know, you have a center in Elias Pettersson who has shown in the past that he can be an elite, an elite producer with JT Miller and Bo Horvat both being sort of great leaders and two-way guys. You got a lot of nice pieces there in Vancouver. And I think if they can find the right combination, it's it's a puzzle that could come together pretty quickly. Yeah. And it's like like you mentioned, the stock cap's gonna keep going up. So he's gonna make eight million dollars up until 2029, 20, 2030. Well, the stock cap expect to be a much higher at yeah. that point. We also will have a Canadian TV deal to worry about in the next couple of years too, which depending on how valuable that is. Uh-huh could make a difference in salary cap too, yeah. uh, to a point. So um, I, I think, again, you've, you. this was a team that seemed to have an identity crisis when they had that playoff run a couple of years ago. It's mm-hmm. like, well, 
okay, we'll make small moves. And then it didn't really work. And like now they've, they've got a core and they've got the, the young guys like Quinn Hughes and Thatcher Demko have really established themselves. And you hope Alex Patterson has a really good season this year. Mm. Uh, Bo Horvat, you know what they could do, what he could do. He might be traded. Uh, Brock Besser, but now you got Miller signed long-term. Yeah. Uh, that's a core that you can get excited about. There's still some work to do, but this is a team that's going to start pushing the envelope a little bit. For sure. And now they got JT Miller there. You know, you, you could have traded him and got a lot of value, but that's a guy you want around. Yeah. And now you've got him around. Exactly. And his salary is not going to hurt you this year. He's going to still make the 5.25 million, but uh, the 8 million, six, seven years into him now might not look so bad uh, compared to what it would look like for a late 30 year old now. So, um, yeah. All right. Well, that's it for all the questions. And uh, I guess it's uh, the best time of the podcast. It's time that's for right. rapid fire. Rapid fire time. Okay. So we're doing this. Just after Labor Day, school is coming back into session. What was your favorite back-to-school purchase when you were a kid? Oh. Huh. That's a really tough one. Um, I got a really cool calculator once that I thought was super cool because mm. it was you could play games on it. Oh. Back in that day. But uh, you could probably play Doom on it if you really wanted to. Uh, <laughs> but you know, there was a really cool red calculator I had. And it, just, it was also see-through. Wow, very yeah. cool. For me, uh, every year it was the Laurentian pencil crayons. Yeah, get a new pack every year, sharpen them up. It's beautiful. Next one. What is a new jersey you're looking forward to this season? So, new sweater. I mean, I guess you can go with the Buffalo Goat Head if you want, but think about some of the new teams that are coming up at any level. Doesn't have to be NHL, obviously. Okay. We got some AHL expansion with Coachella Valley. We got some uh, some new ECHL teams coming up. Anybody catch your eye that you're looking forward well, to? Well, I feel like your answer is going to be the Savannah Ghost Pirates. And yes, that's it also, is. That, that's also <laughs> my pick because we haven't seen the jersey yet. No, that, but, it hasn't come out yet. But like the, based off of what we saw from the mascot, with like the neon green. Yeah. It's like black and neon green is like my favorite combo. So mm. it's like this could be, it'll look like my NHL 22 jersey. There you go. Yes, Savannah Ghost Pirates of the ECHL. Very much looking forward to seeing what they come up yes. with. And also, shout out to the Minnesota Squatch of the uh, <laughs> yes. USPHL. Yep. Although they already have a jersey out. It's kind of Colorado Avalanche colors with their uh, Sasquatch mascot on the front. It looks pretty cool, too. Uh, okay, here's one I've been thinking about for a while. Um, who is the oldest band you like? And when I say oldest, I mean like chronologically in time, like going back to like whether it's the 1970s, the 1960s, maybe the 1980s, since you are so young. What's the oldest band that you legitimately like? Hmm. Trying to think which band came first, Led Zeppelin or Rush? Uh, I'm mm, that's I'm gonna say Zeppelin. It's probably close. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, I'd say uh, it's like it's funny. I can't listen to a full album of Led Zeppelin, mm -hmm. but it's like every song I hear, I'm like, this is good. This is fun guitar stuff. And this is Lots like two good singles. Yeah. yeah, really good guitar parts for its time specifically. Mm -hmm. It was a creative and different, and I love guitar stuff. So I'd say, yeah, I'd say Led Zeppelin. Nice. I'm going to go with the Jimi Hendrix experience. Okay. I didn't know if we had to count that because he was like a, well, he was mainly a guy, but I guess his. Yeah, yeah, well, like, okay. that, and that's why I'm going with the experience because he had Mitch yeah. Miller and Noel Redding. Uh, yeah, I would go. With, yeah, the Jimi Hendrix experience. I, I mean, I like the 13th floor elevators, but I can't say that I know like a lot of their stuff, so that would be kind of cheating. And then, yeah, so after that, I would because like then you would go with like Black Sabbath and like the Stooges, but Jimi Hendrix was obviously before them, so I'm gonna go with Jimi Hendrix. Okay. okay. 
How many points will Owen Power score this season? Oh, I'll go with 37. I'm thinking he's going to get some power play time. But it's still a Buffalo team that's still a work in progress. Mm. And while he'll have some decent players to pass to, not expecting a ton of points yet. I think he's a guy that I'll be happy when he gets 60. Mm -hmm. I was basically the exact same. At first, I was like 35. I was like, yeah, maybe 40. And I was like, yeah, Rasmus Dahlin's probably going to get a little more offense. I was like, I was actually thinking 37 myself, but I I wrote down 35, so I'm going to go 35. Fair. I think he's going to be a great two-way defenseman. I think he's going to be great on zone exits. Mm-hmm. But yes, in terms of actual pointage, uh, I'm going to go around 35. It's going to be a pretty pretty positive first season. I think I don't, so He's too. not going to win the Calder Trophy, but he's going to go out there and, and impress. Yes, I agree. Uh, who do you think is going to be the most surprising team this season in a positive way? I'm going to go with Anaheim Ducks. Mm. I think the fact that you've kind of got the mix where, where there's some a lot of those older guys are gone now, and, and they're still going to have some veterans. But this is a team where I think you got so much youthful energy; it might be a lot of fun. Totally. Um, big question for me is John Gibson going to be there the whole season? And if Gibson's gone, who's your who's the guy that's going to keep you in, in contention there? Right. But I think this is a Ducks team where I really like the young core where it is, and it, I think it's going to be a group that's really going to start pushing things so i don't think Connor bernard's gonna go there uh mm-hmm. to your earlier point but i think that that's a team where i'm looking for I, I i really believed in that young core a couple years ago it never really worked the way and like sam Steele's gone guys like that but yeah um i think this is starting to get exciting here nice nice i'm gonna go with seattle uh because <laughs> they got oliver bjorkstrand um you know and then you got maddie Beniers, who's gonna be a rookie after a great little tryout there at the end of last season. They got Shane Wright. So it's like they finally have some centers. Even though they're young, they've got some centers that can really help mm-hmm. unlock the offense. Uh, and then I think, you know, Grubauer will bounce back. So I, I think Seattle, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to be a playoff team, but I think they're going to be surprising. You kind of still want them to suck, though. <laughs> just just for their whole... Just for the picks? Just to get at those picks. Yeah, true, true. Uh, but I think they'll be better than expected. Let's put it that well, way. Well, yeah, a lot of that also is how good is Philip Grubauer going to be? Yep. Especially if, if Drager's not going to be back anytime soon. It's like, mm-hmm. how good is Grubauer? Yeah, fair enough. Last question. What's a musical genre or subgenre that you want to get into more? What do you want to learn about? Hmm. Hmm. Huh. That's a tough one. Um... What's your pick? <laughs> I'm going to go with death metal. Okay. I'm always kind of on the fringes of it because I listen to hardcore and I listen to grindcore. And uh, I like some death metal that I've heard, but I've never like delved deeply into it. And I just found a new record store in my neighborhood that sells a bunch of it on vinyl. So I almost feel like saying like, what do I need to hear right now? Because I, I lo- obviously I like the drumming and I like the speed of it. Uh, and, you know, I'm fine with the vocals. So I, I feel I need to get more into death metal. I'm going to go with more of symphonic metal. Uh, mm-hmm. I really like Within Temptation. And there's other bands like, uh, I guess, now Stradivarius is more power metal. But uh, Nightwish, bands like that. There's some pretty good bands where they bring more classical and orchestra elements mm-hmm. to it. And I think if you get, like, heavier guitars with, like, a violin or even a full, like, a full orchestra. You could do some really cool stuff with that. Mm-hmm. And I try to learn some of that stuff on myself on guitar, but I don't know how to play any instrument that isn't guitar, bass, or drums. Right. So trying to 
do a piano or a piano or violin or anything. I don't know. I'm doing so, yeah. um, and I don't have any of those instruments. Um, so yeah, I went to symphonic metal. It's, it's something where every year I'm like, I'm gonna listen to more of it. I just forget. Gotcha. You're gonna have to grow a ponytail. I feel that's new. No. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that's necessary. Never. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the rapid fire. Thank you for playing. All right. That was an interesting one. So thank you everyone for watching and listening. However, consumed it. Thank you very much to Sherwood. Thank you very much to Ben MGM. And we'll see you next time. I can feel myself.